Good evening and good morning and welcome to episode 26 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am the star of the show, Sam <laughs> Miller, and with me as always is my sidekick, mm-hmm. Ben Lindbergh. Yep. Ben, are you as convivial as always today? Uh, I haven't slept since episode 25, so I'm feeling it a little bit, but I'm, I'm here and I'm enthusiastic. Have you watched any baseball since episode 25? Uh, can we count highlights or we actual in-game broadcasts? I think highlights are okay. probably as valuable as any of the nonsense that goes on in between pitches. I've watched highlights. I've watched gifts, right. certainly. <laughs> um, what do you want to talk about tonight? Uh, the comeback of Brett Anderson and the A's potential playoff rotation. Uh, okay, um, and I will be talking about Stephen Drew, so I guess it's an all-A's episode. Mm. All right. Go for it. Okay, uh, so the comeback of Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson came back, and he has not pitched since June 5th of last season. He had Tommy John surgery. Uh, he is now healed. He made a few rehab starts, and he started tonight in the majors, or last night if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Uh, and he is still in progress as we record this, but he has gone through seven innings and has been excellent. Uh, He, and it looks like his, his night is officially over now, so we can say that his line was seven innings, uh, he gave up four hits, one run, zero walks, and six strikeouts. He threw 62 strikes in 86 pitches. So a lot of times with the guys coming back from Tommy John surgery, the expectation is that they will struggle with their control to some degree. He certainly didn't struggle to throw strikes at all last night. And his velocity, at least through his first 40 pitches or so, was around 91 miles per hour on his fastball, which is exactly where it was last season. So Anderson has, of course, been one of those tantalizing uh, pitchers who gets hurt often and has a lot of talent and seems to be perpetually on the verge of putting it together and having a really great season, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, really, for a whole one. So... It's kind of an unusual situation in that he's coming back now with not a whole lot of time before uh, decisions have to be made about playoff rotations and such if the A's uh, do manage to make it. And they have kind of a, an unusual playoff rotation in that they have guys who've been very effective and yet also guys who kind of are always on the verge of uh, seemingly being less effective or less available at least with guys like Brandon McCarthy who like Anderson is is kind of one of those often injured uh, but talented pitchers Bartolo Colon who has been even better in his second season of coming back um, which I don't know if anyone expected Uh, and Jared Parker but Brett Anderson, if he were healthy and effective, would be probably the best lefty they have available. Right now, Tom Malone is is their lefty in the rotation, and I don't know that he would pass the playoff starter test for us. 
So I don't know, I guess, how good do you think Anderson would have to be over the next month or so to work his way into a playoff rotation should the A's need one? And how do you think their rotation stacks up to some of the other contenders? Well, it's a little hard to say because this is the time of, I mean, when you mentioned um, uh, four of their starters, there's also A.J. Griffin, who's been starting. Mm -hmm. Um, And Griffin and Malone and Parker are all guys who, if they were not playing for a contending team right now, um, you would probably be expecting maybe would be shut down by the time the season ended because they're all, uh, I guess Malone is... um, uh, a bit older, but I mean, they're all fairly young. This is their each each player's first full year in the majors, and uh, they all have thrown a lot of innings. So it's it is. Um, I, I guess one of the question marks is: Will those three? Will any of those three? Will all of those three maintain their uh, their effectiveness through September, and um, or or whether they'll just look gassed uh, look gassed uh, by the time October rolls around and um, make it so that really the A's don't even have a choice and, and they have to turn to Anderson if Anderson is still healthy. I don't know what you think about that, um, but it's certainly a factor, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, um, uh, do you remember when Anderson had surgery? When when in the year it was last year? Uh, like I said, he will last pitch very early in June, so I don't remember if he was one of those cases that dragged on a bit before he actually had surgery, but I can look it up as you say something interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, dog on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he's the only he's the only player that we named uh, in this conversation that I think I have um, considered ace quality at any point in the last like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And it, certainly if he shows that he's, um, you know, able to to go deep in games and stay healthy and and dominate into um september i I would have no qualms about starting him in not only a playoff game but a key playoff game because um he really does like i mean he is um the kind of who always looks like he's on the cusp of um becoming a real star not just like like he looks within each start like a dominant pitcher. I mean there are there are at least two or three innings in every start where you just think uh, nobody's ever going to hit this guy. And uh, his injury history has been so depressing because it hasn't really even been um, like the sort of thing where he's out of mind for long periods of time. It just seems like it's been a slow bleed on his career. Um, and he is what now twenty four. Would you say? Uh, I think he might still be 24, yeah, which is amazing. Because it seems it is like amazing. he's been pulling this tantalizing act for a while now. Well, this is his fourth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, he is 24. And his surgery was on July 14th of last year, so he's about 13 months out, which is kind of the, the typical recovery time these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, Bartol Colon was a guy who looked gassed last year. Um, he did. at this time, which was not surprising given how long he had been out of baseball and the way that Bartolo Colon looks. Um, and you said, you said, you said gas. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like Anderson has not been a guy whose return has been discussed extensively as uh, a huge, uh, 
impact on on the the pennant race. I don't know whether that's because of my East Coast bias or not, um, but it, it doesn't seem as if you know when every other team was going out and trading for starters at the deadline that you heard a lot of well Oakland is getting a really good starter back. Um, I didn't hear that a whole lot, mm-hmm. but certainly if he is the good Brett Anderson again, that is quite an acquisition for them. And and I, I initially I kind of wrote off last night's start as the Twins in Oakland, um, but the Twins are actually a better offensive team than I gave them credit for, and he was just really very much in control the whole time. Um, and he, he showed the velocity and he showed good control, which is the first two things he would look for in a guy coming back from that injury. Um, the, uh, I mean, I don't, we're not, neither one of us is going to have an answer to this, but it would be interesting to see whether the, um, control is the last thing to return, uh, premise still holds true. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, that's probably something that you and I both first heard, um, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, recovery time has certainly sped up since then, and maybe um, maybe rehabilitation has as well. Certainly, Steven Strasberg didn't have any trouble with his control when he came up at a similar point last year. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, that's two people that we've talked about, so it's not as though this is an exhaustive study, but it would be interesting if someone did do an exhaustive study. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about something else going on with the A's. So Stephen Drew, um, the A's traded for him. He has a mutual option at the end of this year, and uh, every uh, the A's are picking up not only the rest of his contract this year, his salary this year, but also the buyout for that option, which is about $1.3 million. The option itself is for $10 million, um, and I just wonder, uh, who do you think uh, is going to opt out of this option? Uh, well, I wrote about the Drew trade what seems like about three days ago now, but was only one day ago. And I mentioned how he, even though he's had a couple down years, uh, he hasn't hit much since returning from his injury, although there's maybe some bad luck involved there but he's had trouble staying healthy and really just hasn't managed to follow up on his successful 2010 at all uh in a positive way and it would seem like he would be entering free agency at exactly the wrong time for him and yet the free agent shortstop market is so incredibly weak this coming winter that even given how much he struggled in the last couple of years he looks really good. I don't know if you remember the the guys I mentioned as being available. It was like Ryan Terrio and Jason Bartlett who just got released and, and uh, a couple guys of that caliber, really no one attractive. Davey Cruz. I think Davey Cruz might <laughs> so have been on available. it. <laughs> yeah. Assuming Johnny Peralta stays with the Tigers, which seems like a safe assumption, um, he is basically the best available. And... I mean, the A's don't seem to have uh, a great option to start at shortstop in 2013. Their top shortstop prospect is Chris Owings, who was promoted to double A in the middle of this year and uh, is still sort of getting acclimated to that. So he's not expected to be uh, a call-up 
you know, guy until 2014. And a one-year deal for Drew would kind of work out very nicely for them um, and, and get them over that one gap year between now and when you can say Owings might be ready. Otherwise, they'll have to make do with the sort of guys that they've made do with this year, the Cliff Penningtons and Adam Rosaleses and, and Eric Sogards and that sort of player. Um, so I don't know, in, in any other market coming off the couple years he's coming off of, I would say $10 million for, for Drew, or, or really, I guess it's 8.65, uh, since you have to give him that buyout anyway, um, wouldn't be a, a very attractive option, but this winter, if he manages to hit for the next month and a half, I guess I could envision that option being picked up. Well, if you think that it's unattractive to other markets, um, would you then not expect Drew to opt out? You don't think Drew will opt out and see if he can't get a bigger deal? Uh, well, we've seen occasionally a, a Boris client will settle for the one-year deal when the multi-year deal he's looking for isn't out there, yep. like Edwin Jackson did, I guess, before this season. Um, yep. And I and uh, like uh, you know, uh, Beltre and Carlos Pena and the the one year deal uh, has yeah. a, a sort of just because uh, just because it's not technically a one year deal, um, it doesn't it would it would accomplish the same thing. Although I don't know if Oakland is where Stephen Drew wants to be putting up his right raw stats. Um, it's a concern, but after a year, he will. I mean, he's only twenty nine now, so if he it's free agency as a 30-year-old, and he has managed to stay healthy for a full season and hit pretty well uh, despite the ballpark. I could certainly see that paying off in a, a much more lucrative multi-year deal than he would get this offseason. Yeah, the, uh, Beltre, when Beltre got his pillow contract, it was one year and $8 uh, million. I missed that term. I hope that makes a comeback. This oh, it will make contract. a comeback. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he got one year and $8 million and, and he was coming off, uh, significantly, I would say a significantly better year than Drew certainly will be and pro and really probably a better year even than Drew had in 2011. But, um, like you pointed out, positional scarcity matters, um, and Drew's age matters. And, uh, it wasn't that long ago that, um, Stephen Drew was a four or five win player at a key position. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, one one thing about Stephen Drew that amuses me and means absolutely nothing is that his similar batters through age 28 on baseball reference um, include Barry Larkin and Nafi Perez. <laughs> yeah, one thing about Stephen Drew that amuses me is his player comment from Baseball Perspectives 2009, which says, we'll keep projecting stardom, and that's on the modest side. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, you know, it's weird how certain players get paired together in your mind forever. Like, I will never not think of Cameron Mabin and Dexter Fowler mm -hmm. together, and I will never not think of Stephen Drew and Troy Tulowitzki together. And it was mm, 2009, probably, um, spring of 2009, that you could still credibly uh, make the case for Drew over Tulo. And if you were drafting a fantasy team, you might have picked Drew over Tulo, um, which is... Kind of amazing how baseball works, and we say it almost every day. 
Uh, all right, Ben, let's wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about two other things, and uh, hopefully they will be super awesome. Yes. Talk to you then. All right.